0: We're squandering this precious resource called product management uh, by having it be support for development and support for marketing and support for support and support for sales. It's support for the president. Yep. I need to know your strategy so that I can manage your risk and reward at uh, your representative at the product level.
1: Product Growth Leaders proudly presents the Business of Product Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello everybody, Grant Hunter here with Product Growth Leaders for another Topic of the Week conversation. This week our topic is Senior Leaders in Product Management, and we've got an an incredible panel today, one of our largest ever, with a newbie, a couple good returning people, Anita Wood for her second one, she was here with with us a few months ago, John Gattrell, back-to-back weeks, how could that happen? Uh, And our newbie, Charles Topping. Uh, good to have you, Charles, along with longtime regular, although we've been missing him in 2021, Robert Goldberg, and well, the golden child, Jason Vincelette, uh, <laughs> and my partner, Steve Johnson. Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about uh, senior leaders in product management, uh, and I have made a big change to the format because Steve got so upset with how my deheaded body looked last week in the call. He has told me to change how I do the slides, and we're changing how we do the slides. So without feedback,
2: right? It is which is is what criticism by another (laughs) name is. Is that that it
1: it, 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 it is? It's always it's always working and improving. We're always learning. Learn is at the middle of the court's uh, framework, and and we're always learning. We're always getting better. So the big change we're doing right now is. Instead of me having to have people look at a small font to try to read what's said, we're just going to leave the big question up there, and I'll will sort of talk to the the questions as we lead into them. So our Monday question: What do senior leaders need to know about product management? And Jason, gosh, Anita beat you to it again, didn't she? <laughs> yeah,
3: it's okay. I am, um, you know, it's um, it was a brilliant response, and I'll I'll take that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was a very good response, and and so. Let's talk a little bit about it. Anita came out of the gate. Too often, senior leaders forget that many product managers come from individual contributor roles and are for the first time in a leadership role, with or without authority. Senior leaders can have a huge impact on professional development as mentors and coaches, helping them understand how the business operates, what senior leadership expects, how senior leadership communicates, where they have essential soft and hard skill gaps, and so forth product manager with potential in the right environment can make those senior leaders look great. The first question for you, Anita, on this is did you have one of these leaders? Did you have somebody who took you under their wing and was your mentor or coach? Is that sort of, does it, was this from history?
4: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and I think I started in a smaller company where most of the people moving into product management came out of development, right? We were heads down individual contributors and someone saw leadership potential and you know the skills that it requires to be a good product manager pulls pulls you into that role. Actually, Stacy was my first mentor in that area.
1: Stacy Weber, a longtime yes. partner of ours, yeah.
4: Absolutely. And I, I think that that note not only helped me become a better product manager, but become more confident, right? And for the first time I was communicating and influencing and dealing with people above me quite a bit, right? And customers and industry leaders and analysts. And that's that's a different way of thinking and approaching and communicating and presenting and understanding the bigger picture than coming from a QA role, right? Yeah. Not that the QA role was inferior, but it's just different. And I think senior leaders, if they don't recognize that, they can get frustrated with product managers, right? And not and not give them the room to grow and not give them a chance to improve, right? And so I I think I've seen the opposite as well. Many leaders kind of give up on you because, oh, well, I have these high expectations of you. You're supposed to know about the business. You're supposed to know about finances. You're supposed to be a great communicator. You're supposed to know how I think as an executive and then they just write them off, right? And you lose good people like that and people just kind of shut down in that kind of environment.
1: No, it's true, I, you know, I was I, a director, so it's hard to say as a director of senior leadership, but one of my first managers hired me at GE as a market research analyst. I wanted to be a product manager, because that was, you know, in 1996, that was like a, an up and coming hot job to have. And he said, actually, I'm gonna take you under your my, my wing and teach you how to analyze and understand markets as a market researcher, because that foundation is gonna be great for you. And actually, you know, it was a one-time in one company. I've had it happen a couple other times. It, it it's it's critical. Rob, as a product leader, as you look at this, there's a role you play as a manager of a person. Do you help your product managers, especially the younger ones, engage with uh, senior leadership to try to get some of that?
5: Yeah. So <clears throat> it's a great question. And so I spent a lot of time. So we have you know 500 people within. The product management organization, in my division, there's 120 of those 500. And about you know 60 of those are product managers or, or product leaders within their own sub-business units. And I spend a lot of time with each because each one has different needs. You know, One is when we're pulling people from other parts of the organization, engineers, customer service, I have to spend a lot of time not just teaching them about product management, um and what we do, but how to analyze and more importantly, I think it's something Anita said is how to communicate. Um, and because that communication piece is always is is never there. You know, how do you communicate to a senior leader? How do you set expectations? How do you talk about risk and reward? And what I found, you know, is in the B2B side of it, since we're pulling from all, you know, you're pulling, it's like lacrosse, you find the best athlete and you teach them how to use a stick, you know. Um, since you're doing that across the organization, you're pulling people that are really competent subject matter experts, but they don't have those skills. Unlike my earlier days in CPG back in the 80s, you know, we were, you know, we would, there was a rotational period. You know, yeah. you, you, you want to get into product management. If you were an engineer and you want to get into product management, you went to sales, you went to trade marketing, you went to brand, and then you went to product. And so by the time you got there, you understood all the aspects of the business and and then all you had to train them on was decision theory you know how to pump, yeah. how to speak um and so i've seen that 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 change but it's it's a full time job just getting the the junior staff to be able to act like and think like product managers instead of just order takers.
1: Well, it's, I wish John Harmer were on the call because Google and Facebook and the like have a lot of, a very good rotational program to help with the product management. I I came into GE and they had the rotational, so the product management wasn't a goal of those, it was rotational. Charles Topping, I want to get your thought on this. you got, you got a very diverse background. You have
6: a diverse background, you're right.
1: And I'd love to understand how senior leaders helped you at different stages. I mean, you, you've been on in different types of industries even. Have you seen senior leadership
6: been a key resource for you? Well, yes, um, and also not, right? Um, and particularly in a larger organization, what you get is you get people who have different motives. Um, and uh, de- depending on the size of the organization, you can have some significantly competing motivations between the different teams and what it is that people like. So um, uh, I'm gonna say about seven years ago or so, I was tapped on the shoulder to be a product manager for an international retailer, a large international retailer. Um, And what was interesting for me was that the concern was much less about my experience in product management and more, do you get how to be in touch with the customer? Do you get how to understand the market? And so, you know, there's lots of jokes about how you don't go to school to be a product manager, you end up learning it on the job. And then there's all sorts of training resources and uh, different frameworks and things that it is that we can follow. Um, But I liked that leader a lot. Um, I mean, in fact, we're still in contact where his concern was that, are you the right kind of person to do this? because we can teach you how to do it we can bring you on board we can show you the ropes we can get you understanding the fundamentals of this particular job but are you the right kind of person and that's always stuck with me for product management because there is um, you know that that kind of leave without a title thing that uh, the product management uniquely has. Uh, we like to joke about how the, you're the CEO of your own product, even though, of course, you're not. Um, but uh, but still, having that that personality, that drive to to understand the customer and translate that into solutions is what has always stuck with me. And I'll always remember Rick Newman was his name. Rick Rick Newman tapped me on the shoulder, and that was his primary driver for hiring new product managers: is do you get it? And if you get it. We'll teach you the rest. Like
1: Robert said, that that athlete who we could t- teach him how to use a stick for lacrosse. Uh, we're going to head to Jason's answer soon. Steve, I wanted to get, we, this really dove into product develop, uh, pro- professional development. We talked about this a, f- a few weeks ago. You've got 25 years of experience as a product management educator. Uh, and, you know, in this thing, you've seen, you've engaged with many executives, both who have been supportive executives to help people grow and do it. is there anything you see that like has been a trend? What can you tell when you engage with a company, if senior leadership is engaged, is involved or not?
0: Well, you know, I've had a number of occasions where uh, people towards the end of the class will say, does, does my management know what you're telling us to do? You know, it's like, listen to the market, you know, identify problems. And they're like, well, yeah, we don't, we're not allowed to do any of that. And, and you <laughs> know, I, I would finish up by saying, you know what, I've, you, well, I, I don't know if all of us have done this, but <clears throat> I always tried to give them civil disobedience. You know, nobody prevents you from writing a product canvas. No one prevents you from creating a positioning document. Um, and, you know, look for ways to leverage nonsense, uh, and have it become valuable. You know, like I, I'm, I'm pretty famous for saying that product managers should not go on sales calls. And yet if that's the only way you can get to a client, then that's what it's going to be. And I, I, I had a wonderful argument about that a while back. Somebody said, you know, gosh, but product managers are great on sales calls, which is totally true. Um, but that's not product management, that's sales engineering. Um, so now I went down that ring so far. I, I, um, to come back to your original <laughs> point, I, must, I continue to be amazed at the number of companies who will say, well, you know, it's I'm not really sure what project management's all about. And I'm like, well, wait, we're talking about product management. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So is tremendous to me. How many executives have no earthly idea what product management is about? And yet a company I'm working with right now is super upset because they have uh, a a VP of client service, sorry, VP of client success, who is also the, the, the head of product management. And the leadership is super upset that these are two critical jobs and we need to hire another person to fill one of those two seats. And I'm just delighted to hear it. I mean, these are two critical jobs. And yet, so many of the places I go, they're like, so what is this project thing all, all about? You, uh, wait, product management, yeah. product management.
1: No, it's interesting, you know, in the role of senior leadership, I had a president when I was at IHS who actually, every one of his senior leadership team made them do six customer visits in the first 60 days after he was there. And He was not a product manager, never had the title product manager, but he was an advocate for and supporter of product management, actually a great mentor of mine. Jason, we're going to switch to yours. And you, you know, if I could put two things together to make it perfect, Anita on the role that they play as professional development and Jason on the understanding, it is important for senior, senior leaders to understand that product management's number one goal is to create great products and that customers, that customers and users love or at a minimum don't hate. They need to understand that product management will always fight the good cause. I'd put the good cause and fight the good fight and come at most discussions and problem solving from this angle. It's a really good thing for the business. and should be understood, protected, and encouraged. I mean, yes, that's what we do, right? We fight the good fight. We're trying to build the business, add value both to the customers, users, and the company. Jason. You made me proud. (laughs) Talk to me about how do you do that in your organization today with the senior. Um,
3: Yeah, I took this like looking at this question and then in parentheses, um, you know, what do senior leaders need to know about product management who have no idea on what product management is? (laughs) You know, Um, because certainly like what um, Charles, you you were talking to and Rob and, and Anita, those are those are really good senior managers who understood product management and said, this is what we kind of need to do to get you to another place um, as far as, um, you know, development. But what I've dealt with in the past was, I mean, my former CEO was a plumbing salesman for 20 years and then ran into a, then he was a SaaS software guy.
1: That's an interesting transition. I, I I thought Rob going from batteries and tires to fintech
3: Yeah, I mean, I had to explain him constantly that it's not project management, and I can't tell you how many times he would say, "Well, project management does requirements too, right?" And so it was just for twelve years; it was a constant re-education on the value of product management, what we do, so I can make sure that I'm staffed accordingly, and then I hire the right people and those kind of things. Because it's always a let's let's cut. Um, So you know, that's how I looked at it: is you know, continuously repositioning that you know we're here for the market of customers not the order takers and that we're going to bring value because really you're going to just take your developer and put them on the sales call you know you're going to have them do the market research there's an interesting show right now i don't know if any of you seen it i'm kind of a tv buff so i've seen it is zoe's extraordinary playlist has anybody seen this okay i only watch it because emily loves it (laughs) (laughs) but it's a software company right It is. it's a new new tech software company making like um you know wearables and technology around that and they really highlight the developers and the marketing team and the business what's missing from this product manager. there are the product managers like nobody's just developing things out of thin air you know
1: well actually so, some of them are
3: <laughs> yeah but not being successful like as you know these guys obviously there's product managers kind of pulling the, the i'd like to see that i'm going to write to them um,
1: you should you should maybe i'll find, sing a song for the
3: group but uh, yeah, so that's kind of like where I was taking it from. I mean, my current position is uh, the senior leadership pretty much knows. Now it's just educating the rest of the product managers so they know that's their role. Because they were like, Benita, like in your case, they came from development and they're used to doing what they're being told. And unfortunately, that is ends up being order takers. So now I need to get those product managers to think more market um, and not just on a per customer basis.
1: John Cottrell, I don't know if I've ever seen you sit so quietly for so long. I'd love to get you in on this. Uh, I was saving you for the second question because, you know, your success, you're you're actually an acting CPO now. You've got a lot of good executive success. Does Jason hit the nail on the head with this, that it's all about that fighting the good fight about value for the customer, the user, and the company?
2: You know, I'm I'm not going to take a contrary view because (laughs) – ultimately they have to deliver success with the product. Right. Yeah. And so that requires persuasion that requires positioning and that requires in many ways, telling a story about what is the benefit to the company. And so that's one of the qualities when I start thinking about, you can't teach it. You can't teach being a, um, maybe like an ambassador for the organization in the market.
1: I I love that word ambassador. That's a, I I like it, John.
2: You know, and the biggest, you know, and that's something you find uh, a little bit more than you cultivate and invest in. Uh, And I'm not saying product managers by design are purple dinosaurs, right? But I will say people that succeed in that role have this sort of, I don't know what it is, and it's about managing relationships and expectations. And then the super one, good ones, they back it up with data, right? I mean, I mean, I have a process, I have data, I'm telling a story, and I'm persuasive. And I mean, it's what Jason said, right? Yeah. No, you don't cut. You invest because if you don't invest. The story, the vision won't happen. And, and I've had the opportunity to build two product groups. I'm building one right now and uh, one previously. And the difference between now, what I'm doing in this acting role versus what I did previously. Well, one, I guess I'm a board member, uh, but uh, so it gives me a little bit of flexibility. But um, uh, I've got a CEO that's giving me headroom. This is your team to set up. Just hit the goals, right? Do the work, hit the goals, and you got as much air cover as you need. And we're making a real big cultural shift. We've gone through all the phases, build random stuff, sell random stuff, then build it. And now we're in the, all right, we've got random stuff. Yep. Now let's put it together in a way that is meaningful. So we're spending a lot of time on branding and story, connecting the story to the market. And so I spend a lot of time investing in that, right? Yeah. How can you be good at data, good at storytelling, and good at partnering with the channel to enable, but also uh, find the right targets? So well,
4: I think a lot of times
2: we, we pull... Pre- uh, product management all the way over to all we do is product technology defining, but we're running a business, right?
1: It it, it is a business. And when we've we've had that conversation on the business role, we're about to shift to Robert's answer, but Anita, I wanted to give you a chance. You came in first and had the great professional development take. Jason's like, Oh, great answer, Anita. Yes. And, and he added this. I mean, do you feel like those two, your two answers together gave you that holistic yin and yang, both the development side and the focus and the fighting the good fight?
4: Absolutely. And I think the development helps a product manager become very good at that. And, And like somebody said, they need to understand their role too. It's not just what senior leadership understands about the role. It's about what that product manager understands that their drive and their focus should be. So yes. Awesome. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, just, no. Right,
6: just, just Grant, just before we, we move on, we've we kind of walked around something a little bit here, which is that you can teach it, but you can't teach it. Right? Yeah. Um, and I'm reminded that for Rocky Six, which I think came in around the 2005 era or so, Sylvester Stallone picked a boxer and but taught him how to one act. One second. One Tommy, second. Tommy Gunn, are, are you
2: pandering to the old people on these <laughs> Zoom boxes? Wait, wait. I'm
1: not
6: a, I'm not a millennial. Who's I'm from Philadelphia?
1: <laughs> Who's from Philadelphia?
6: You keep right. it, you've no, got, but, you've okay. got a runway for Rocky, Charles, go. Right, but the, so the, the point is that is that Sylvester Stallone chose a boxer to start because he knew he could teach him how to act, but he couldn't teach an actor how to box. And so as we're looking at new recruits and new people to bring into the product, it's important to understand that if they have that je ne sais quoi, then that can be honed into being the product manager. But if for whatever reason that it isn't there, then you know maybe a, just a different role is suitable for that individual, so.
1: No, it, it, that was good, and he even brought the French-Canadian part into it with je ne sais quoi. I was very impressed Thank with you. that.
6: Thank you, yes, proud proud Canadian right here.
1: <laughs> so so Robert, you know, John talked a little bit about making investment decisions and stuff. You came out of the gate with, you know, my personal, you know, I where I fit, the risk reward, right? I had recently written the blog about product management as risk management and you you and I on our front end type stuff, there's a huge role to play in the risk management. You said everything we do in product management has a risk reward profile and oftentimes, especially when senior management is pushing something, senior management only sees the reward. Product managers mitigate risk on a daily basis. Clients need to be met, delays, discounting, competitive threats and as Jason says, boy, everybody's pointing back to the golden child, Jason gets another reference. our number one goal is to bring markets to pro- bring to market products and solutions that customers love and make these customers raving fans talk to me about the risk management side when you look think of it that way that balance of risk reward
5: well, yeah what i've found over the years is that you know having worked on both sides so having worked in startups and small companies and enterprise large companies you know an enterprise portfolio is a lot different than a product somebody who's Managing a portfolio of very mature products, um, where we have ninety percent market share, is a lot different than a startup. And we have in in the portfolio that I manage, which is about one hundred and sixty-five products and about three hundred extensions. You know, we have we have everything because we're buying companies as well while we're going through this and having to integrate them. But there's a big difference, and you know, when you look at a mature portfolio. The, the, the risk there is in modernization and it's EBIT. And when we look at what people work on, the product team works on, they're working when, when they're putting in requirements to work on revenue gain, you have to push back and you have to say, wouldn't it, you know, this, what are you gonna gain? There's not much left in the market to gain, you yeah. know? And so I'd rather see, you know, that, re, that reward going to modernization and productivity and being able to drive penny profit out of a part of the portfolio where we have 2% market share on a $2 billion opportunity and putting our investment dollars there and growing revenue there. And I think that, you know, most companies that I've spoken to and, you know, it's easy when you're working in a very model kind of thing, you know, it's one product, one company, and you can build this when you're working across the entire compliance. I'm on the compliance side of Broadridge. The, the entire compliance, port, you know, uh, area. It just complicates it, and what you have to try to balance because we have a, we have only so many. It seems like they come out of the woodwork, but we have only so many technology people. We have limited resources. We have limited funds. We have limited time, and you have to be able to manage that. And then you have this senior team, everybody, you know, we have business unit owners, presidents that own these sub-businesses that have their own, you know, they drive their own product management requirements. And so if I'm, if I'm a business owner of a mature portfolio, I want to invest and I want to build, And but I have a shared resource called development and it's managing that and managing it across the portfolio so that you can actually see where the areas of risk are and where and what's going to give us the biggest reward? That's one part of it. And then my other part of that answer was: Look, if I look at what a product manager does, it's not it's not all fun. It's not just you know it, we we do a lot of requirements gathering, but we don't spend enough time. I, I I disagree a little with Steve. I I love when product managers go out on sales calls because you get to see how the salespeople bastardize your your value prop, your <laughs> and you can make changes. And, how you know, when I support no them,
2: them to get better as a team right I and mean, i always right? love
5: going out no matter where i was traveling i always found a salesperson to drive around with but what i hey, find i that love going that on sales do... calls
0: too but you're not doing customer discovering you are discovering that the sales guys are or are not empowered that right and that's to... but that's okay. part of
5: it i and, think
1: and how often no. have you cut a sales guy off three slides into the canned presentation you built for them going Wait a second! Wait a second! The customer asked a question. You're supposed to follow down the rabbit trail, right? I said but,
2: no three times and didn't get <laughs> invited back to another sales call by Don for like two
1: years. Now, now, yeah. so I, wait, Jason, so I, I have, to, have
0: to finish his point. Go ahead, Rob. You, I was just going
5: to say that you know, there's up. there's the that mitigation of risk. I think is really uh, is another thing that we don't talk about in product management. We only talk about the, you know, making the shiny object, you know, that's going to light up when the customer pushes it and they're going to love it. But it's, you know, the daily job, as everybody knows, the day-to-day job is delays requirements being flipped back from the development team, things not getting shipped out, conversion not happening, sales being lost, sales, you know, there's, there's a million things that product managers get pulled into and maybe, you know, you it, it maybe, I, you know, just because I, I'm sitting above it all and I see it now, that is just not communicated to senior leadership. Yep. And they don't know that, you know, 65, 70 percent, uh, you know, Steve, when you came and presented at Broadridge, you know, you, you, we talked about this It's like 60 percent of a product manager spending their time on project management. Yep. You know, that can't be good for the future health of, of the product. Right. But- so that's that's what I was thinking when I answered the question.
1: So, Steve, I want to get to you in a second to get your take on it. Actually, Greg Fenton had come in right after you, Rob, and said business ROI—it's performing the short-term benefits versus long-term goals, which I think aligns with what you what you just said there. Right, the time we spend—we need a trade-off: short-term versus long-term, and what's going to maximize the the reward. There's one side thing you had said something about how product management is not all fun and happy all the time, and I needed to go to Jason, whose passion is product management, who lives for product management as a for our conversation last week. Is it all sun and roses product management?
3: Uh, no.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> last week you, you had this impassioned plea about product management. I, at least yeah, I mean, there's
3: the, the parts that I don't like is having to wait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's like a lot of it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, and I keep telling like, my salespeople complain all the time. like, Or my pre sales people, they're like, I can't believe we have to wait two quarters for this product. I'm like, I also don't like waiting. Like as a product manager, you know, we're, we're, we're looking, we're creating roadmaps and thinking about things that are 18 months out. And so we've already done the work, like Steve would say this all over the place. We already done the work for the thing that's coming up next quarter a year ago. We've been waiting a year ago for this thing, you know, that we had in our brainchild and through our market analysis. So we can't wait even more than you sales, you know?
1: Yeah. So so, Steve, we're going to this is we've had a lot of great conversation so far on this question. I wanted to give you a chance to make the final point on on this question.
0: Well, you know, he always does this. He sets (laughs) me up with this super softball that he knows I've got a story, but he doesn't tell me in the question what story it is. He Actually, this
1: this was not a story. This was this this was a chance for you. Uh, sort of like I made fun of John earlier, Steve, this is the quietest you've been. I mean, we we have a large panel of amazing people that helps, but I'd love to get your, you, you didn't answer it. So I couldn't refer to your answer on on Monday. I'd love to get your two cents or five cents or 25 cents, whatever it's going to (laughs) cost.
0: Okay. Um, Well, you know, I, I guess the issue is I I deal with this a lot and I, I'm, 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 I'm shocked and hurt and surprised when I run into leadership teams that have no comprehension of what product management is, and yet I'm I'm uh, delighted by the number of firms I'm running into now who are saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, product management is a critical hire for us. You know, we're looking to bring in a superstar." Um, so I find I spend a lot of my time helping people define what product management is. And, you know, to somebody's point a little while ago, uh, research tells us that product managers are spending 47% of their time doing other people's work, you know, reading aloud from JIRA or or forwarding uh, documents from SharePoint to the sales team. But furthermore, I find that's actually true for everybody because product management's not doing product management. And because product marketing is not doing product marketing, other people are. I also read a stat that 40% of sales time is spent creating their own marketing materials, which terrifies the hell out of me. I mean, I've seen those ransom note marketing (laughs) pieces that salespeople put together. But you know what? They've got to have it. Where is it? Well, the answer is because marketing didn't do it and product marketing didn't inform it. So sales is forced to do their work. And so what I find I do with leadership teams is say, you know, let's talk about some guardrails here, who does what around here? And wouldn't it be great if salespeople spent more of their time selling? And wouldn't it be great if product management did spent less of their time selling and more of their time enabling the sales team to sell? So it's like a pass it down. and oh, here, while we're at it, building a product that people actually, that we know in advance people are going to want to buy. Because I like the idea of salespeople being order takers. I want a a salesperson, to go out and say, "Hey, do you want to save a million dollars with this hundred thousand dollar purchase?" And the customers go, "Yes, I would like some of that, please." As <laughs> opposed to having to make up something from the Lego blocks that is our development engine, and hope that somebody will buy it.
6: Um, I just, Grant, I just want to throw out to the group: what are the differences between a technical product manager? or a business product manager. And specifically because there's, we're still talking about defining what the roles are and defining swim lanes and the swim lanes for those two individuals are very, very different. Um, So maybe Rob, maybe Jason, um, you know, we're talking about what senior leadership needs to know about product management, but maybe you could draw a distinction between the technical versus the business or how those meet and how that works in your organizations.
5: Yeah, I'll, I'll, Jason, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll give, I'll give you our, my two cents. <laughs> um, so we, um, we just recently finished uh, role mandates for six, six roles within, within that product organization. And so we've broken up between the strategic and tactical side. So on the strategic side, you have a portfolio product manager, which is the most senior person, then a product manager, then a UX UI designer, which we have split up between tactical and strategic. On the other side, we have a technical product manager, a product specialist, and then a product owner. And so we've, you know, and then we've created racy charts and we took the 565 people in supposedly in product, in the product organization, and we mapped them to a role. And then we leveled them within that role. And now we're going out and doing training for everybody. But but yeah, I think that's a really good point, Charles, um, because I do think that there's a big difference between you know, the product manager, which is doing really running the day-to-day, for us at least, the product manager is the day-to-day person who's responsible, you know, for the day-to-day operations of the product. But we have a very defined role for a technical product manager um, that interfaces on the architectural and platform side, making some of the strategic and is you know, working with the tech group, but making those decisions. So API is a perfect example. Our TPM will, will actually... You know, just like a product manager trying to run their product will actually handle the, uh, the, uh, um, an API strategy and, and developing the API, the API uh, strategy just like it was a product. And I think it's a really important thing. I, I don't see a lot of companies um, really defining the world that well, um, at least when we're, we're just in the infancy of it but I don't see a lot of companies defining it that way. I know in my 35 years of doing this, I, I haven't really been, you know, you were a product manager, you did everything. Um, But then again, agile didn't exist when I started. So, (laughs) you you, you know, but that's how we look at
1: the world. And I'm going to wrap this conversation up just for the time, uh, you know, couple things. One, we probably need to do one of these calls on roles and responsibility uh, in in product because I don't think we have done that one yet. You also brought one up, Rob, earlier that was a more portfolio management one. I think that could also be a good one. So this is me putting them into the call notes so I have a way to think about that. With that said, I want to move to the poll. uh, And the poll question was, if you were doing an executive briefing on product management for your senior leadership, what would be the most important thing to include? And uh, Anita, did you take? A, did you have a vote on this one?
4: I did, I think I said other, and what did I put? I don't remember.
1: What I Actually, I'm the only one who put others, or at least as of this morning, so.
4: What are the options there? I can't read it.
1: How can they support product management? Product management is systematic, well, it wouldn't be that one. Product management focuses on markets, not customers. And product management is much more than development requirements. I don't think I responded to that one. I
4: missed that one. That's a really good one. Right. So let me think about it. Come back to me. I'll think about it. The-
1: I, I, I will come
4: back to you. I usually are like, uh, well, all of the above. <laughs> well,
1: that's what the other is for. And, you know, I, I, in my comment when I voted other, my other answer actually was risk management, Rob. It, it sort of aligned with you. Uh, I just realized the past two or three weeks in a row, I actually... I, Steve, and I make the answers. And two or three weeks in a row, I've gone other, and I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, <clears throat> Steve, did you vote on this one?
0: I did not. I, I actually wanted to know the answer. I mean, <laughs> I'm being asked by a number of my clients to do an executive briefing, and I thought this would be the ideal way for me to tailor my presentation based on the feedback from this well-respected group of people.
1: Well, you have at least statistics, right? Right. Uh, for, you yeah, know, being able to say four percent
0: people say this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Two out of nine uh, product leaders. <laughs> no, no, I,
0: it was kind of interesting. I did a session uh, about a month ago um, that was really a nerd session. I mean, it was way down into, you know, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you do launches when you've got a variable set of deliverables coming out of development? And one of the people said, you know, um, I need to engage my senior leadership team here because they have no comprehension of how you can do any sort of predictability uh, when you're in an agile environment. And I'm like, well, of course you can. It's just, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to go there. Uh, But there was a lot of the stuff that we were talking about, that they're like our senior executives do not understand you know, any of these mechanics of product management. Um, and then another session, they wanted to include the senior executives in the, in the working sessions. And I'm like, mm, why don't we just do a 90 minute version? Cause we're gonna get into backlog grooming or, you know, some really tedious stuff that will try their patience. So I'm interested to see how this group uh, uh, reports on it so that I can tailor my executive briefing with your guidance.
1: Robert, did you vote?
5: You're on mute. Sorry, I said. Uh, I think it was the one that said, um, "How how can they help us?" Right? Wasn't the first one?
1: How they can support product management? Yeah. Yeah, I mean
5: that's the only thing that when I when I report to um, when I do any presentation to our executive leadership, my only asking them is what they can do for me, um, and my team. You know, I I don't I don't need them to know. You know, I think. I don't remember who said it, but they, they had no idea what product manager what product management is or what product managers do and um, the only thing I really want from them is money time you know money and resources and so I spend a lot of time just making sure that I get what I need to be able to move our, our programs forward. Awesome. I completely
0: I- agree with that and uh, it's back to the story I said earlier about you know does my management know what you're telling me to do here <laughs>
6: Uh, Rob, Rob, that's really great because it's any leader's job to protect all of the people that report up to them from the sides and from above. It's the air cover You have to make that fence for everyone to give them the protective space to be able to do their jobs because otherwise, like we talked about earlier, you end up doing everybody else's work. So, uh, you know, anybody who's willing to stand up in a leadership role and say, no, these are the things that I need and you're over there and you're over there and you mind your business up there, everything's gonna be just fine. Yeah.
4: No, where I would have voted to Grant actually, but I would add a caveat that they need to understand why why should I support you? Right. And I think that's about briefing them on the value that product management can bring them. Right. And then, so you're going back to your original answer. Damn, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, the
1: the air cover is a critical thing. It's part air cover part getting them the right resources. Charles, am I going to guess that you would have voted for how they can support product management? All right. Jason, you had a good answer. Uh, you, you selected product managers much more than development, right? Uh, but you said, it, dep- it this is a, a John Harmer, it depends, right?
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> Talk to me about... To, I don't want to I, say I've, that, but...
1: Is this something that you've done a lot of?
3: Yes, yeah, like I said earlier, I was constantly training uh, different levels of leadership that weren't familiar with the software space. Uh, into what product management does for the software environment. And um, it was much more than just requirements into all of these other things. And so, um, and even in my current leadership, if I was to um, provide something to them, I mean, asking them for support is uh, fantastic and that'd be definitely a close second. Um, but I think initially I would um, just explain that it is much more than development requirements. If they If they're not sure of what product management is, just kind of explain that there, these are the things that we're doing underneath the covers a bit um and then you know this is how you can support us to to provide more um you know more uh leeway for us and and more you know a bigger path for development things like that go back to the original topic
1: awesome john gattrell did you vote do you have an p- opinion well i know you have an opinion
2: yeah, I didn't know there was so much prep work answering questions. This is my only my second week, but uh I will do the homework next time. But if I look at this and think about my biggest challenge with, with uh product management or getting buy-in, is basically tell leadership how you make product management accountable. What is their metric? Right. What is that success criteria? What uh, I think Rob said in more mature companies, we're grinding out EBITDA and turning products into ATM machines to fund the the next gen. Right. Yep. Um, you know. You know. Set that clear framework. But there's other products, right, in the portfolio that you're not, you know, you're investing ahead of revenue, right? And so you really need to figure out what that metric is for each product line. And it's not on time delivery. It's not burn down. It's not defects after launch. It's not some, you know, other random thing that's easy to measure, right? I mean, it's, you're going to your change gym, how you treat. It's
1: yeah, your Jim Collins big number. What is the one number you track that you can judge people on?
2: Yeah, I mean, what do you care about? Wake up every day and make it your focus. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know what? A part of my job is managing compliance for project management. Hold me accountable for that. Right. And I think a lot of the fuzziness on accountability is what creates these uncomfortable discussions.
1: No. Right? I mean, John, I'm going to actually use this as a transition for the next question. We wanted to get a little more specific. Now it's not just a, a briefing for the leadership team. It's ten minutes with the CEO. You you are working with the CEO on your acting role. You've been bringing product management in. If you had ten minutes to talk to a CEO who wasn't, you know, doesn't understand the value of product management, what would the ten minute focus be? I don't think it's going to be those metrics, is it? No, no. I
2: mean, I think it's going to. I'm going to ask questions like, you know, uh, you hitting your revenue plan, right? Uh, yeah. You know, where do you
1: think the challenges are with that? So you're going to go market problems based to find their problems and tie product management to the, as a solution.
2: I think if I'm going to spend time and talk about product, I'm first going to figure out where their big gaps are or their problems as a business, right? And then have the playback. Well, product management helps you get revenue by better enabling sales, by prioritizing the right capabilities to actually win. Right. And I'm sure you often hear from your salespeople, you didn't have a feature and lost. Yep. Right? And and it goes back to kind of, how do you connect what you need as product teams to what the business needs? I mean, that's, that's always the, the discussion you have to have.
1: Rob, you guys have been, as you said, you guys have been taking on this big product initiative. You've got a CEO who gets product, right? What was the conversation like? I mean, do you know, was it? Did he come from or she come from product management? If you were no. going to go to another company that didn't get it, what would your ten minutes be?
5: No, well, he he didn't come from product, but he's um but he's very very um he he's very very aware of what we do in product, and we have an enterprise product initiative. If I was a product manager, I'd be talking. I agree with John. I'd be talking about you know those aspects. If I had ten minutes, I ju- I just presented to our executive leadership two days ago. And I don't think I would have changed anything, which was I talked about people and process and the tools that were rolling out. Because, because for me, the more productivity and system, system the way more I systemize, systematize the, the process, the more repeatable and, and the expectation. So, you know, the product, the thing that we do is an unknown, especially when we're talking about something new. The forecast is always wrong. New products get launched based on a, on a hope and a prayer, and then they get lost and they become impaired, right? And we have to fix them on the back end. And what I think, you know, for me, it's really just creating expectations, just managing those expectations. If I can deliver on in a very systematized way, if I can deliver on what I'm saying, that's all I want him to, to understand is that, you know, if I say, it's going to go up. It goes up. If I say it's going to go down, it's go down. And so it's people, process, technology. It's the tools that we roll out. Um, he gets the market. He he understands every. You know, he's on. If, if you ever watch him, he's on on these calls on Yahoo and and, and, and all these other things. And you know, and he's talking about our business with a with a specificity that I that our product managers don't have. And he understands how they all relate. So he doesn't need that from me. Yeah. Right what he needs for me is that, you know, we're going to put the, you know, the time and resources together to be able to achieve what we said we are going to achieve. We're not going to do more or less than what we said. And I think that was a lesson I learned early on in my Duracell days is just deliver what you say you're going to deliver and the market will reward you. Don't over deliver because then they'll never trust your forecast or under deliver.
1: I, I actually had a sales leader at IHS and then another company I worked with who actually had that type of mentality. It's like, as a salesperson, he one of their salespeople. He goes, "If you are, if you come in outside of plus or minus five percent of your quota, you're doing something wrong, right? We're not setting your quota right. You're either sandbagging, you know. But that that's an interesting point because it's about managing expectations and not having an ex- unexpected, really big or really bad because you can't plan off of that. I I, right. I I love that, Rob. Charles, I'd love to get your take on this question.
6: So <laughs> So I've been in a role where there's an awful lot of salespeople. I'm talking about 1,200 salespeople in one building um, and had a lot of conversations with them. They knew a few things. One, they would never be on that desk for more than two years. And so in their first year, they would set targets inside their head. If "If I cut the price by this much, if I push this much product, (laughs) if I include this promo, I'm going to gain this much growth. But if I do it too much then what am I going to do in year two? And when I'm in year two, I can be a little bit more sacrificial, a little bit more aggressive because I'm about to be moved off of this desk and it's up to the next sucker to find that last little bit and their tank, okay? So th- that's, that's what's motivating them, that's what's driving them. They're making sure that there's that extra little bit of room. But yeah. to bring it back to the CEO, I think the Rod did a great job of addressing and John did a great job of addressing kind of some of those important things that you would wanna talk about. When I think about being a very junior person in an organization and being given 10 minutes with the CEO, whether that's a lunch or, you know, you won the, uh, um, you won the employee of the month award and so they're going to give you lunch with the CEO, you get 15 minutes to talk to them or whatever, whatever it is, is that you can't win in this situation, but you can really lose with your mouth. And so, yes, there's that small fraction where you're gonna be that one person who really impresses that CEO and boy, are you going places. And another likelihood, you're gonna stick your foot in your mouth and you're going to talk about some low level political thing and this person isn't gonna to wanna to think about you again. So, um, you know, as much as there's lots of people on here who will talk about the importance of the business things that you can talk about, these kinds of things. Whenever I talk to somebody who's going to have that really high level thing, just be careful about what it is that you're doing because the likelihood you're going to butter it is much higher than the likelihood you're going to be a shining star.
1: Charles, that was great. Actually, you got two comments I have to make on that. First, I can't think of anything that would be more of a horror film for Steve than a building full of 1,200 salespeople. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and the second thing is you're you're completely right. I was actually, you know, uh, Gatrell, I, when I was first at GE Information Services, you know, pre-GXS and all that type of stuff. I was at the panel with the CMO's lunch and learn, right? And I said to the CMO, this is 1996, 19, yeah, 1996. And EDI was still growing at 30 plus percent a year. And, and they're cutting marketing budgets. And I'm like, why are we not focused on growing the whole pie? We're 30 some percent of the pie. We should focus on growing the whole pie. And he never talked to me again.
6: Yeah. So, uh, so Charles,
1: you have a very good point there.
2: I've had uh, issues when I was more junior talking to senior yeah. people, right? Well, and it, I, had,
1: I had a great manager who taught me that, keep your mouth shut, you know?
2: Yeah, I just think it was lack of confidence, right? Yeah. Once I got more confident with who I am as an individual. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have these layers, and maybe that's a little function of, of maybe Charles's, right? When you have yeah. multiple stratas, it becomes intimidating, right? The CEO is some person on a webinar. It's not yeah. and when you meet that person. It, you know, and it, it, I think confidence is is, is oh. it can be critical.
6: You know, I'll add to it that my personal issue is that I have exactly no respect for authority. <laughs> uh, so- <laughs> I, I just don't, and so I talk to people who are in senior levels as if they're on my level, and there's a lot of senior people who believe that they are significantly more important than I am, and in a lot of ways, they probably are, uh, and uh, and so that, that's why I throw out that cautionary tale, because it, the chance of putting your foot in your mouth is very high. Jason, point,
1: any, any thought on this one?
3: um yeah i you know i usually work for kind of smaller companies so i end up having some sort of relationship with the ceo um but when it comes to the product management piece and we'll talk about all types of things because i can talk about marketing all day long as well but for product management i think the 10 minutes is really for them to understand that again what we're trying to do is do the best for the market and my product management product management team they're very interested in in making the company super successful and just kind of like Encourage, you know, explaining, just encouraging the relationship between the, the, the executive team and the product management team um, through that conversation. And that would be my 10 minutes with them.
1: So reinforce what your answer was from the Monday question. Anita, would you reinforce your professional development, what they could do to support?
4: Um, perhaps. In, in a, yes. I mean, my answer leads to that, but I think if I only had 10 minutes, I think something I've learned is not to assume that they know everything, right? And yeah. I would want to Make that an opportunity to advocate for the product management team, and talk a little bit about big wins. Right, this is what we've done for you. Right, demonstrate that and give some credibility, and then also talk about maybe here. Here's where we're struggling, where we need some help, and make some concrete, focused recommendations on this is where we can improve and do even more. You know, just to compartmentalize how they can help and exactly make some solid recommendations because they don't know, right? They don't know what you've done, what you've accomplished often. They don't know everything. I mean, and they don't know where you're struggling and they don't know what you as the expert would recommend to, to fix that and to improve and grow.
1: No, that's great. Steve, before we move on to the lightning round, I would love to get your thoughts on your 10 minutes with the CEO. <laughs> this was your questions, by the way. <laughs>
0: um. A lot of good stuff in there. I, I took some notes, in fact. Uh, you know, I, I'm reminded of, a, of a, a situation where a lot of the companies I've worked with are young and, you know, the product the, the product manager was really the CEO, right, um, the, the classic story of, you know, I came up with this idea, I convinced my wife I could quit and do it full time. And, you know, now I'm running this business but the problem is uh, with the second product and the third product and the fourth product, none of those seem to have been as successful in, as the first, because your view shifted. You know, now you're thinking about hiring and firing and financing and floor space and cash flow, and you're not in the market anymore. And uh, another question people sometimes say is, "When do I hire a product manager?" And the answer is right before your first disaster right? Uh, That second product, and and really the third product is usually massive disaster because the president now acting in his product management role is so disconnected from the market. So I would then say, you know, in in today's world, the one who writes it, the, the one who owns something is the one who writes it down and keeps it current. And therefore, the product manager is in effect, the the president's representative at the product level he's the one or she's the one who's writing it down and keeping it current and should be the president's go-to resource on that product but should not be the entire company's resource uh it you the product manager should not be 1-800 i can't find this on sharepoint (laughs) right and
1: that uh, we're squandering this precious resource called product. Thanks for listening to the Business of Product Topic of the Week brought to you by Product Growth Leaders. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. And for more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversation, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.